Welcome to the Women in Technology Spotlight. I'm so happy to have you here for this new episode. Don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss any of our further episodes. Um, today I have with me Amanda Bertucci. She is a sales engineer at Virtuoso. She is also ambassador for the Pre-Sales Collective and an I Am Remarkable facilitator. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you, Rumpin. It's a pleasure to be here um, and, and talk to you uh, in the other side of the screen. Thank you so much for joining the session. I'm always so happy to have new role models on this series. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, I'm originally from Brazil, born and raised in Sao Paulo. Uh, mm -hmm. I currently live in Barcelona, um, been here for four years now. And um, I, I, like you said, I'm a sales engineer. I think that um, that's a big part of who I am. Um, I'm a mother of a seven-year-old, um, mm -hmm. married to a Polish man. And uh, as you can imagine, living in a multicultural environment as it is. And um, yeah, I, I love technology. I love, I'm a little bit of a geek in that sense. And um yeah, I, I just love working with sales engineering because uh, you get to help customers uh, and work with technology at the same time. So that's that's really good for me. So, yeah, that's pretty much who I am. You say um, so sales engineers who you are it tells me a lot about you and it does. But uh, for those who don't know what sales engineer does and tell me a little bit more about why that is such a big part of you and why that describes you. Well, so sales engineering, like I said, uh, it, it, the, the main objective of the role is to help uh, customers get the right solution for the problems that they're trying to solve. Uh, so it takes, uh, you know, a lot of listening, a lot of empathy, a lot of, you know, problem solving, thinking about what is the best uh, solution for them and uh, just presenting things that are hopefully going to make them happy. So I, I think that that human interaction uh, is something I really like. Um, and at the same time, you know, working with, with technology and bringing technology to people. So I think that's, for me, it's like the best of both worlds, you know? I, I feel that describes it really well. So there's this part, uh, you said you were a little bit of a geek and I do understand that because I am myself. And then there's the part around the relationship building and the communication. And I think, Everyone who's a sales engineer loves those things. And then you talked about problem solving, right? Um, yeah. You know, just finding the right solution for a customer can be so satisfying. Yeah, exactly. So um, when you think about uh, your day-to-day -day job, which are the skills that you use the most? Well, I have to say that um, listening is one of the main skills being a sales engineering uh, uh being in, sorry I'll, I'll go back um so i have to say that listening is the main skill in sales engineering um just because uh you, you need to understand what that customer is going through try to put yourself in their shoes you have uh information coming from your account executives as well so you know you need to be able to filter what's coming to you in terms of uh, what, what is being said uh, and, and try to translate that into your own offering and being able to, uh, you know, just say, I, I think it's better to do it this way or that way or not do it at all, you know, and have the maturity of, you know, selecting each path. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that, that, you know, listening skills are really important. 
um, then you know problem solving is really important and communicating clearly, uh, having empathy, trying to put yourself in the customer's shoes, all of those things are, are really, really important. Mm -hmm. So uh, the, the communication part, it can be intimidating for people sometimes, um, but this is something that you need to develop as, as you become a sales engineer. I love that you actually talked about, you know, like listening and communication and before actually, and you never even mentioned technology. And yeah. I, I really like that because I think when you think about being a woman in tech or working in technology, everyone first thinks about technology. But the interesting thing is when you're a sales engineer, the soft skill, as we call them, come first. You yeah. know, and then afterwards, of course, you have to have an understanding and a love for technology, but um, it's so much more important to develop those side of the skills. Yeah. And I think that traditionally people focused more on the technical side of it. Uh, mm -hmm. To be a good sales engineer, you would have to be a super expert on a product and know each and every little detail, mm -hmm. which is not bad. It's good, but it's not just that, you know, and I yeah. think that, uh, I mean, I've been in pre-sales for over 15 years now, been in the IT industry for over 20 and um, it, historically it's been like that, you know, if you're in the technical side of things, you need to know every bit and bite. And mm -hmm. what I've seen happening throughout the years is that the sales engineering role uh, is becoming more relevant on, on the sales world, you know? So it's not just the techie that the uh, account executive takes along to talk about the bits and bytes of the product, but we are part of that sales motion, right? Yes. So. Very, very true. And I've also seen the same thing, the, the change in the sales engineer role. And I also feel that because of that, there are more women in these roles because um, they actually enjoy this part, you know, the listening, the communication, the empathy that you talked about. So, and you told me just now that you're already like 20 years in tech, 15 years in, in sales engineering positions. Did you always know that you wanted to go into tech? Is that something you know, as a child? <laughs> <laughs> well, when I was a child, I went through all the phases, right? And I see my daughter going through them now. Like I wanted to be like a truck driver or a firefighter, all of those, you know. Um, but ever since I was very little, I wanted to be an astronaut because I think that's very compelling to children, right? I wanted to fly to the moon and all those things. Um, but uh, growing up, um, this is something I was always interested in. Uh, I've, uh, you know, I grew up in the, the 80s, 90s. So the video games were coming in. Um, my dad gave me my first computer when I was like nine or 10. And I didn't know how to do much. I knew how to put on discats and run games, you know, but um, uh, when it came to um, choosing a, a career path in high school because I went to, to a technical school back there in Brazil um, and you would have to you know do the regular classes in high school and then do a, choose a technical area to, to study um, and I, I went to electronics it, it felt attractive to me and when I finished that course I was 17 years old uh, I needed to to do an internship, and uh, the the job that I chose at the time was in a company that did training for for IT. So, um, my my very first uh, contact with that as a professional was, you know, seeing how many possibilities you have in that world. You know, you can be a web designer, you can work with infrastructure, you can do programming. So. 
um, there were so many possibilities and I felt, I felt comfortable with that. I liked it. So, yeah, I, I have to say, I was always attracted to, um, things boys did because I was always, um, challenged, uh, by them in terms of, well, you can't do this. You're a girl. And I would be like, yeah, I can do this, you know, and just go and do it. Yeah, so, I was very yeah. intrigued when you said um, you always wanted to be like an astronaut and and because this is a very boys thing to say, um, unfortunately, I mean, I love yeah. that you actually wanted to be an astronaut because I was always also more interested in technical stuff, uh, unlike many other other girls who have had been, you know, like pushed into this girly interests. Yeah. So um, I love that you said, and I also find it interesting that you say that your father gave you a computer when you were nine, which is also uncommon. So did yeah. your father also work in tech or was he just also interested in technology? Um, my parents always encouraged me to do what I wanted. Um, I have a brother and most of my cousins were boys. Uh, I, I've had a role model, which is one of my second cousins. She, she's an engineer. Mm -hmm. And she's a person that always pushed me to, you know, uh, do what I wanted to do, because mm -hmm. it was hard for her growing up. She's she's almost like she's my second cousin. She's my dad's age. But mm -hmm. um, she she was a person that gave me so much support to, mm -hmm. uh, you know, as I was growing up. And um, I, I think that what, when I was trying to play with the boys when I was a kid, of course, I, I was I was a girl. I'm physically a girl. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, I would try to play football with them. I would try to, to get into their games and eventually I would get hurt. And my uh, I would come crying to my dad and my dad would say, look, if you want to play with the boys, you're going to learn how to you have to learn how to play with them. And if that's what you want to do, go and do it. You can do it, you know. Mm -hmm. And when it came to like choosing a, um, a career or even when my dad gave me a computer, I think that he saw that in me, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah. my parents were very supportive growing up. And I think that really made a difference for me. I feel that what your dad said about um, the learning to play with the boys, that is such a good reflection of what we had to go through to, to work in IT, right? I mean, to be successful here, I feel like, yeah, you have to learn how to play with the boys, unfortunately. I mean, it's getting better because there are more women here. But yeah, that's a, that has such a profound ring to me. <laughs> <laughs> It's encouraging uh, from mm -hmm. one side, but from other uh, another side, it's, I, I mean, the times are changing, right? Yeah. Uh, the, the way that things were 20 years ago are very different than, than they are now. But uh, 20 years ago, in order to be able to play with the boys, you know, in IT, mm -hmm. it um, uh, I, I mentioned it in different uh, interviews as well. I had to kind of um, look like them, you know, wear my mm -hmm. hair up, uh, lower my, my voice pitch, uh, dress like them, you know, uh, talk like them. And uh, unfortunately, sometimes reproduce some of their behaviors, which are, are not nice, especially towards women, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, but I think that's a journey as well. And as, as society is changing, the industry is changing. I think that we need to be mature enough to, uh, you know, reflect on those behaviors of the past and, and change them too. Yeah. So, and that is, yeah. I think that is the reason why it it, uh, it ha resonates so deeply with me, because for me too, to to be successful here, I had to learn how to play with the boys, you know, you would get hurt, and then you had to go and learn the rules and, and be, yeah. become stronger. And um, that is not necessarily a good thing. And I'm really glad that it's changing and that we are creating this more inclusive space. 
but um, it feels like something that I had to go through too. And I think your dad at the time gave you that, um, you know, tip, which was relevant for you actually, you know, just always going back and, and trying again. Yeah. So, but the other person I'd like to talk about in your life is your second cousin, um, yeah. who you say was a role model. Do you feel that it made a difference having uh, someone in your life, uh, seeing uh, someone who doing the same thing that you wanted to do? Yeah. So I, I think that growing up, I had two uh, women that really were role models for me. One of them is is my cousin. She uh, she she's an amazing engineer. She's she's been very successful over all of her life. When I was a teenager, uh, she was working at a, a, a an editorial company. Uh, they they uh, produced uh, science magazines, and she mm-hmm. uh, actually subscribed uh, on the science magazines for me, and would send them to my house. And she was always like. Um, encouraging me and, and giving me tools right and the other one is my mom because my parents divorced when I was like 13 and mm-hmm. I, I actually saw my mom coming from being like a housewife and starting her own company and you know having to raise two kids you know me and my brother uh, and, and seeing that strength and her putting herself out there mm-hmm. I, I think that also was a, a huge example for me so um, and of course, she was always really supportive, uh, you know, encouraging me to go study electronics, go do what I wanted to do. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think these two were really important for me growing up. And I love how you talk about, um, you know, seeing these two women and, and uh, feeling inspired by them, because I just recently read a book where it was a a lot about how we perceive competence and how we perceive leadership and how we perceive authority. And I think um, having women in your life that um, model these things to you makes it easier for yourself to see yourself in that way. And I think a lot of us women are struggling, you know, exactly with the lack of these these pictures. So I have a question because you said you went to this technical school. Um, it's a question around gender balance at that school. Were you alone or were there other <laughs> girls who were interested? <laughs> it's always like in a classroom of 40, there would be like two or three of us in the class, okay. you know? Okay. And, and, and not just for, uh, not, not just for women, but like one of my best friends uh, in, in the technical course is a gay guy. Oh, and okay. he, he only came out, you know, as a gay guy after we finished high school, mm-hmm. you know, because... Yeah. Um, you had to feel into that um, standard, right? Uh, mm-hmm. White, male, straight. Um, and it's hard because, you know, it's very intimidating walking into a room knowing that you're the different one. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you, you just, you kind of hide yourself or you try to put on a, a mask or, or try to disguise yourself as much as you can not to stand out, you know? There is a word for that actually, it's covering. And, and it's a, a term that's, I think it's more uh, well-known in, in the US, but that's what people do when they're different from the mainstream. And again, this reminds me, I, I read too many books, I'm sorry. Um, it reminds <laughs> me of this other book. Um, it's called The First, The Few and The Only. And it's uh, about women in certain, it's actually mostly about women in corporate environments, black women or women of color, but 
when reading it, I could relate so well to this thing because it was the same for me um, in these spaces where I went, where there were men and they were white. And, and that was, you know, this picture of what a, an engineer or someone working in tech is. And um, that is something that you might struggle with, I guess. Um, and also if you're a gay man or if you're a black man, it's just um, just the situation that you are the odd one out, I think. Yeah. And um, but since you mentioned this, what um, what helped you get through that? I liked studying electronics. I've always mm -hmm. liked IT, and um, of course, throughout the the journey, you suffer a lot of um, explicit aggressions and microaggressions as well. And, you know, it's, it's just, I think it's kind of that ability of trying to transform that into something that kind of makes you stronger. I know that's super mm -hmm. cliche, but, um, you know, it, it, it's, um, it, it's tiring, uh, but, you know, each step that you go further, I, I think you look back and you're like, okay, I achieved this. I can go, I can move mm -hmm. more and, uh, and so on and so forth. And I think that, um, what was very tiring and um, what I always struggled with was having to, to prove myself um, all the time, you yes. know, when you, you see like a guy doing something or, you know, a, a guy sales engineer, everybody just assumes that they're good mm -hmm. just because they have the title. They're a guy. Okay. They, they must be good at what they do. And being a woman, mm -hmm. uh, I feel that still today, uh, obviously not in the, the same intensity, I would say, but still today, uh, I, I feel like I need to, you know, show that I really know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, th there isn't something I can say, well, if you do this, that's going to work, but maybe mm -hmm. trying to signify these aggressions that you end mm -hmm. up suffering and, and trying to get them to make you stronger. I think it's yeah I think part of it is, is reframing what happens to you into a learning experience instead of like something that puts you down and I agree it takes energy and and the question is how you um, refuel that energy and what I also think is what it makes us do and I think it's the same for you is we try to help other women um, have an easier life of it the ones coming behind us because I see you're also an I am remarkable facilitator for example what made you go and and do that I would like to know so yeah that started during the when the pandemic kicked off and the, the first lockdown here I, I took that very badly to be honest you know mm -hmm. like uh I I think I can be kind of a controlling person and <laughs> going through that thing that was completely out of my control and there was nothing I could do about it, but to comply with the lockdown, um, mm -hmm. that really hit me. And I, I started, you know, okay, let, let's see what I can do from this. And I started looking for things that would, um, you know, help me learn something new, or I think a lot of people went through that during the, the lockdowns, right? Yeah. Uh, that's how I found the Priestess Collective. And that's how I found the, the I Am Remarkable Initiative. So, mm -hmm. Um, I started doing this with my, you know, closest circle of friends. I actually took the, the, the workshop myself, then I took the facilitator training and I started like in my inner circle and I saw the impact that had on people. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I started doing it at, at the company where I was uh, working at the time and it was, uh, it just exploded, you know, how you see how many people you can impact with that. 
And I think those are things that uh, not just women, but other minorized groups can really uh, relate to because we're we're not encouraged to self promote. Uh, mm-hmm. We're frowned upon if we if we self promote, yeah. and it, it's uh, I I really like this word like reframing. You know, I, I do a lot of self promotion today because if I don't do it, um, who's gonna see me? You know, mm-hmm. uh, sh- oh. should I wait for a guy to give me a voice? You know, I, yeah. I need to do I, I need to stand up for myself, and. Mm-hmm. It's, I think that if I can plant a little seed on one person that might, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, expand and and that person can then move, uh, you know, plant that seed forward on on somebody else. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. And that your story reminds me so much again of my own, because same thing happened for me when the lockdown started, all of a sudden there was this void also, it was not, you couldn't go out, you couldn't do anything. And then um, all my activities, I had been doing so many different things and activities and I had to, um, you know, regroup and, and yeah. find like a new way to live my life in this uh, four walls. And I also stumbled across uh, the I Am Remarkable workshops. I took a workshop and then I realized when I saw in this workshop how it impacted a lot of the women who were in there, I I felt this is something I have to do. And then I took the course to to the training to do it myself. And then I started doing the courses because I really believe that we must, um, we must speak up for ourselves. And I do know how hard it is. You know, I do know that every time I still have gotten so much better at it, but still when I do something new and I post about it for, then I have this, this moment where I think, should I be doing this? Should I be talking so much about myself? Yeah. yeah. And I have this, this really amazing woman on one of my interviews. Um, I haven't published it yet. It's coming in the next week, but I talked to her. And um, she said, because you, you mentioned, should we ask men to do it for us? And she said, never ask someone for permission to do something. <laughs> yes. not, they can't give you permission. The only one who can give you permission is yourself. And I love that so much because we always do that. We look at our parents, we look at the people around us and we're basically asking for permission, yep. but that is unnecessary. And I love that you um, also see this now and, and you know you promote yourself and what you're doing because you're right, there's no one out there who will do yep. it for you. And, and tell us a little more about the pre-sales collective, because you said you m- met that um, at the same time, kind of, and, and what did ad- attracted you to that? It was so crazy. I, I don't know if you, I, I don't know if you're going to get the reference, but there's a, a, a movie from, I think it's the end of the 80s or early 90s. It was a children's movie about these dinosaurs looking for like this place because the, the, you know, bad things were happening to the climate on earth mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they needed to find like this, this place where all the dinosaurs were yeah. going. And when they get there, they see this beautiful place with all the little dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how I felt when they found the princess collective. <laughs> oh my God, there's, there's, there's so many other dinosaurs yeah, they are. here. You know? All of us there are here. Are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's been such a great experience. You know, mm-hmm. um, I've uh, learned so much with so many amazing people. Mm-hmm. Um, I've uh, connected with a with a woman you probably know her, Natasha Bax. Um, she's uh, a, she's very uh, prominent in the the pre-sales world, and she is um, I consider her one of my mentors and. 
she's a person that gave me a lot of strength when I was um, moving between one company and the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just being able to, to connect with these people and, and see that sometimes we go through the same challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that what gave me a really, really good um, impression is that the, the mindset of the people, um, like that they're, they're so receptive, you know, I've, I've been, uh, I've been, I feel heard, I feel respected. Um, mm-hmm. And this is going to sound horrible, even though I'm a woman, you know, <laughs> I, I have, I've never felt in the Priestess Collective, at, mm-hmm. like, you know, anything uh, that I, I felt in other mm-hmm. places, you know, even recently. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't see that in the Priestess Collective. They're very open and uh, people are, they're just there to help each other. So mm-hmm. I took that as another way of giving back. So I started doing the I Am Remarkable and I started participating in the Priestess Collective. And that's a group made by people to people. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, that's really, that's really rewarding. Yeah. I can relate to this feeling of, you know, finding your tribe kind of, because I mean, even in within tech sales engineering is a very specific thing and having all these people who do something similar. And I think I'm not that active because I have all these networks and I'm already overloaded with activities kind of, but I always, you know, I, I am also in, in the collective and I, you know, from time to time, I see what they're doing and they, you know, they have all these training sessions on how to do a demo and, and you can learn a lot of things. And I think it's so great to have all these people who are going through similar things you said um your your mentor she she helped you with the transitioning from one company to another and i realized that i forgot to completely forgot to ask you how you came from brazil to barcelona <laughs> and to your current company yeah <laughs> but i think so, those are the stepping stones right tell us a little bit about that yeah so um well first of all well, just going back in time a little bit further i i got married uh, in poland and then we decided we wanted to live in brazil we were there for five years mm-hmm. um and uh we, we we love it my family is there and everything but you know we had a, a my daughter was like three years old at the time almost four mm-hmm. and we thought we would raise her better if we were in europe you know she would have more opportunities and uh we would have a more um i think that safety was a very important thing like um and uh you know the the fact that brazil even though it it seems like it's a very open and liberal country it's uh it still has a side where um machismo is still very present in the society it's very Mm -hmm. hard being a woman in brazil and i have um, to say something i watched love is blind brazil and i was so shocked about how much you saw that the men were (laughs) That's how it is. They're little boys, you know, and um, I think that uh, just adding to that, uh, my my husband is a stay at home dad, you Mm -hmm. know, Uh, ever since we moved here, we decided, you know, uh, I already had a a job set up for me here when we moved uh, and we we decided it would be better for the family if he would take over like the Mm -hmm. house and and our daughter and everything. And it's a setup that really works for us. there are very few Brazilian guys that would, that would accept something like that, you know. So mm-hmm. there's a mindset that is um, quite complicated there. And uh, with my husband, we had to hear from a lot of people uh, like, oh, are you are you sure? What, why, is, why is your family set up like that? You know, mm-hmm. doesn't he feel like less of a man because he's a stay at home dad? And 
you have to hear these things and yeah. it's it's horrible and it, I, I for me it's an aggression you know but it is it is yeah. a microaggression just like you know all these yeah. other little things that when people question the way you decide to live your life or who you are Exactly. And I love that you're doing this. And I love that it works because I mean, why not? Uh, there is exactly. no, why not? Yeah. And um, mm -hmm. well, the, the company I worked for at the time, they, uh, I, I actually had a guy uh, here in Europe that already knew me and already knew my work and everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, he fought really hard for, for them to create a new uh, headcount for me here. And mm -hmm. um, uh, then we came. Uh, so Uh, it, it was, um, you know, a, a lot of help from this guy to, you know, set up the environment and, and create uh, a position for me. And yeah, he's also one of my mentors and one of the people that really pushed me to to do things after I got here, you mm -hmm. know, because I was content with, you know, just taking a, an inside sales engineer job and an opportunity came for a management position. And he was one of the the main people that supported me to getting mm -hmm. into that you know so mm -hmm. yeah that's how my journey here started yeah. I would love to talk to you even more but I'm seeing that our time is running out so um yeah. I'm just gonna ask you my last question that I ask every woman on my series um what would you recommend to young women coming into the field what would you tell them I think it goes down to don't give up Mm -hmm. don't give up you know um there, there are others out there just like you there are mm -hmm. others that have uh, probably been through the same uh and uh i, I uh, we, we we have to to stop this thinking of women competing against each other we need to support each other um and if you look you will find people mm -hmm. that can support you um so don't give up reframe these aggressions and and move on because they're gonna make you stronger and um Yeah, mm -hmm. that's it. Don't give up. Yes, I love that. I've heard this a couple of times and I, and it always rings true. Don't give up because you don't know um, what will come next, you know, because the next step might be the one that makes you successful or makes you happier or take you to your goal. So just don't give up. So thank you so much for your time, Amanda. It was lovely chatting with you. And um, yes, uh, I hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I, I would um, I would stay here for more hours talking to you. But um, thank you for the, the opportunity and for opening the space for me. Uh, it's been a pleasure.